Over 250,000 veterans exit the Department of Defense each year in both peacetime and wartime. On today's Inside Telecom Careers, we'll be discussing how the wireless industry is providing veterans with a roadmap for career advancement, training, and certifications. Nexius, accelerating network and business transformation. Telecom Careers, the number one global telecom and wireless job board. Telecomcareers.com. Welcome back for another episode of Inside Telecom Careers. I'm your host, Carla Macias. Also joining me today is CEO of Warriors for Wireless, Kelly Din, and Jeff Mucci, Editorial Director of RCR Wireless. And later, we're gonna have a Warriors for Wireless veteran alumni, Lucas Shingleton. Thank you guys for joining us today. Thanks for having us. Kelly, good to see you. Hey, thanks, Jeff. Uh, good to see you. Thanks, Carla. Well, let's start things off. Uh, Jeff, why don't you tell us what's new in the telecom workforce related news? Well, I think it's more gloom and doom through third and fourth quarter rest of the year. And there's a couple of factors that'll be affecting that. I think the general slowdown in the Chinese economy and deregulation or devaluation of their currency are a couple of factors. I think we've got a slide that we're gonna pop up right now that uh, uh, reflects one of the articles one of our editors wrote, Martha DeGrasse, talking about the Chinese uh, devaluation of their currency affecting Nokia and Ericsson. Uh, but there's, um, I guess, the uh, from a bigger picture, the telecom and hardware Manufacturers are going to face several challenges. Um, Martha mentioned the, a general pullback of equities by investors. Uh, number two, you're seeing increased competition from the Chinese companies, um, which Huawei and ZT. Um, and by the way, ZT reported a 43% increase in profit this past quarter. Um, when you look at other U.S. tech companies like Microsoft, HP, uh, Cisco, and, and uh, others, they're having difficulty penetrating the uh, Chinese market. So they've made investments in China. They've, uh, uh, they've set expectations with investors that they're going to be able to penetrate this burgeoning economy. And the fact of the matter is they continue to have difficulties increasing their sales and revenue in China. Uh, further, and I call this the, the China syndrome, by the way, the combination of the uh, slowdown of the Chinese economy, the slowdown of the currency, uh, increased comp uh, competition within China, and then increased competition in non-Chinese markets by Chinese companies. So when you have a Cisco or a Juniper or Ericsson or Nokia trying to compete in Africa or Latin America, uh, they're facing increased competition from ZT and Huawei in, in many respects because of the Chinese banks that are financing these overseas infrastructure. So all those together, I think, are causing uh, the U.S. companies to pull back. Um, Goldman Sachs recently reported that chip companies, including uh, Intel, Qualcomm, and Broadcom, are especially susceptible to the uh, Chinese devaluation of currency. So I think all these factors uh, are contributing to what I would expect uh, U.S. companies to start pulling back on new hires and slowing of replacement hires. And um, uh, I think uh, that's a common occurrency towards the end of the year anyway. Mm -hmm. if, uh, if there's any uncertainty in the market or volatility in the market, you're going to see companies trim back on hiring to show uh, better profits towards the uh, third and fourth quarter of the year. Uh, I guess one other, I think, big news this week, you heard uh, some of the B VCs out in California talking about uh, dead unicorns. 
And uh, one of the things that has been really fueling the U.S. economy is these huge valuations of companies over a billion dollars. And um, uh, earlier this year, um, uh, uh, Bill Gurley from Benchmark Capital, he talked about these, these, these unicorns and the, the, the death and carnage of dead unicorns that should come. And then Mark Benioff from Salesforce, the CEO of Salesforce, mentioned yesterday that uh, you know, we're starting to see some rumblings of these companies that have these huge billion dollar plus valuations that simply aren't focused on their customer. They're focused more on valuations. And in his opinion, that's a recipe for failure. And so I think you've got a lot of hype built into the market. And uh, I think the venture capitalists that have invested in these uh, unicorns are going to start uh, conserving cash. And so you'll start seeing a slowdown of hiring in Silicon Valley around software coders and the like. I guess one, um, one bright spot is um, uh, you are going to continue to see investment by companies in startup companies. The Oracles, the Cisco's, the Ericsson's uh, are investing in some uh, companies and buying other companies to fill their product line. Um, and I think we've got a, another slide up here about predictions uh, that we're going to see. Uh, you're going to see continued consolidations of big companies. The Nokia is buying the Alcatel Lucent's, the Comscope announced buying T Connectivity, uh, Corning buying IB Wave, uh, Broadcom looking at Avago, uh, NXP bought Freescale. Uh, Huawei recently bought an SDN company to uh, bolster their uh, virtualization and NFV platform. Um, so overall, I think there is one bright spot, and that's really one of the reasons we're having a conversation today with Kelly Dunn, is that uh, you are going to continue to see investment in small cell networks, HetNet networks by the mobile operators. You're going to continue to see an investment by the cable companies and the wireless infrastructure and Wi-Fi plays. So the bright spot here is for tower climbers and field techs and uh, folks that have fiber splicing uh, uh, experience and uh, project management experience. Now, Jeff, what has been your experience with hiring veterans and industry veteran programs as a whole? Well, I found that veterans tend to be dependable, reliable, and eager to learn. We've got a clip here that uh, Joey Jackson, one of our producers, shot uh, talking about a Navy veteran turned tower climber. So, guys, let's, uh, let's roll that video. I was injured in the U.S. Navy. My career ended early. It came out. Um, Blue Stream offered me a chance to actually climb. They have a Veterans to Climbers program, uh, one of the best in the country. I uh, came in, uh, they gave me a really decent opportunity. I started as a green hand, which is the lowest of the low, carrying stuff up the tower, to the training manager over an entire division at Blue Stream. Well, that's a, a great slide, and mm -hmm. I know that uh, uh, Kelly's going to be talking a bit more about veterans and, and, and tower climbers in just a minute. Um, but one of the best hires I ever made was I hired a uh, career Army veteran as a VP of marketing, and he was just so extremely good at uh, organizing the team, aligning resources within the company, and after working uh, with him for a year, we promoted him to be chief operating officer. He was just a superb leader. Uh, he was uh, very good at execution, and uh, uh, one of the most delightful people I ever worked with. Um, I think one of the interesting things about owning RCR Wireless News and Telecom Careers, I've really had a, a front row seat in talking to a lot of the companies in the industry, a lot of the industry associations. And you know, today we're going to be talking about Warriors for Wireless, which is a manifestation of um, the industry coming together. Uh, really, the first time I've seen in six years uh, coming together to address uh, the fatalities in the industry and recognize the need that we really need to uh, have career planning and better training and standardization for training, in, particularly in the tower climber industry. Um, 
Uh, I know two or three years ago, we were at the absolute peak of macro network buildouts, the LTE buildouts by Verizon AT&T. We had an extreme shortage of qualified tower climbers. And what you saw was a lot of unqualified, inexperienced tower climbers coming into the industry. And no surprise, you saw a spike in tower climber fatalities. And what happened was that really galvanized the industry to come together. And my hat's off to Kelly Dunn. Kelly Dunn really took the bull by the horns three years ago, and we're going to talk a little bit more about it. But he really helped uh, coalesce uh, and organize the industry to come together, and he created Wireless uh, Warriors for Wireless. Well, thank you for that, Jeff. Uh, Kelly, thank you for joining us on today's episode. It's a pleasure to have you. Thanks, Carla. I appreciate it. So according to uh, Rosie Cloud, Senior Advisor of the Department of Veteran Affairs, uh, stated at a PCI wireless workforce panel earlier this year that there are over 250,000 veterans um, facing transition into the workplace. Can you kind of give us a little insight on that? Sure. It's The number is actually 250,000 per year for the next five years. So the Oh, wow. expectation is over a million veterans will transition in the civilian workforce at record numbers in the next five years. Um, the, the challenge slash opportunity is our ability to, um, you know, identify, uh, recruit, train, and certify uh, those transitioning veterans that are the best fit for the wireless industry. And that's really the core of uh, Warriors for Wireless's mission. And Kelly, what have you found as some of the challenges that uh, the veterans have in that transition period, and, and by the same token, what are some of the challenges employers have connecting with these transitioning veterans? So there's a couple things. That's a great question, Jeff. I mean, one of them is you know really being able to translate their skill sets uh, into the industry, and that's what our programs help them do is to understand the you know the training and the skill sets they received you know in safety, in you know the, the intangibles of work ethic and discipline and team work um, and to be able to, to map those experiences they had in their military experience and be able to describe how that's going to be asset to the company. And a lot of companies, as you mentioned earlier, have come together and are really getting a lot smarter on the best uh, way to approach veteran hiring and not just approach it, but support the veterans when they're in the company. We're having some of our partner companies are developing mentoring programs and all the great things are kind of coming from this. The second uh, challenge is um, I think the industry, especially in the ones we're hiring and training in the tower technician role, is always in a state of flux, and there's less less training than we'd like it to be. And the veterans are used to having a high degree of training. So um, with TIRAP, uh, which we're working with the Department of Labor, there's a, a lot of structure and career path that's put in place that is giving the veterans a more idea of, kind of where they are, where they can get to, and what's their roadmap. And, training certifications they need to do to get to that point in their career. And how about employers? What are some of the challenges they're experiencing reaching these highly qualified, eager, reliable type uh, candidates? Yeah, I think it's um, in one of the roles I think we've played is you talk to a lot of employers and they try one off, say they, they want to hire veterans, but they'll call into a base and they, they don't understand the process. They have trouble on the translation on their end. So that's where the benefit of Warriors for Wireless and other organizations like ours, and we're the first, we're one of the first ones, according to the VA and Department of Labor, where an entire organization, uh, entire industry has gotten together and has developed opportunities, career tracks, and is, you know, combining all their opportunities for a single point of interface, then to reach back into 
the military installation. So they get lost in the translation, trying to do it one off where we, we become their navigator in working with not just the bases, but programs like the Yellow Ribbon Program, the Transition Assistance Program, working with the VA programs. And that's a huge help because it's a one-stop shop for them. And then we also can go back into the bases and understand where specific skill sets, military occupational skills, and trained folks are coming out, and also where they want to be regionally and where they want to relocate, and mapping those two things as well. So before we dive deeper into the W uh, W program, maybe could you uh, take a minute and tell us a little bit about your background? You, you've had an extremely successful background going back to uh, Bell Labs and Verizon Digital Bridge. Maybe walk us through your background, uh, some of the folks that have had a key impact on your career, and, and, and finish up by telling us about how you came to start W4W. Sure, I, I started, um, you know, very similar to, we're going to introduce Lucas here in a second, as a 17-year-old kid from Ohio that wanted to serve his country, and so I joined the military. I was enlisted and then was lucky enough to be in a program to become an officer, and then was in a signal battalion, and, and in early or late 1980s, I actually helped roll out one of the first wireless uh, broadband systems in the military, which was a phenomenal experience. I left, went to grad school, uh, left the military and um, joined at and Bell Labs. I was there seven years and then joined a group of people uh, for a CLEC uh, in 1997-98 uh, called One Point Communications uh, that we we're fortunate to grow that company very fast and that was sold to Verizon. It was one of Verizon's first acquisitions and then uh, I headed up operations in a business unit inside of Verizon called Verizon Avenue, and we did that for five years. Uh, we rolled out some of the first broadband wireless projects in that in that role, as well as um, you know, did a lot of social innovative uh, things, bridging the digital divide. It was a fantastic experience uh, there. And then I left in 2005 when they moved a lot of the executives to New Jersey, and myself and the former CEO of Verizon Avenue, Bill Wallace and Joe Cochan, the three of us uh, founded Digital Bridge Communications and you know, was the CEO of that, and that rolled out one of the first 4G systems in the world, uh, or in the country, I should say, um, and that was on a WiMAX platform. Did that for five years. Uh, that company was sold, and then I, I led a nonprofit called One Economy, which was, once again, Digital Divide Initiatives, a great organization that did uh, a ton of stuff for bringing broadband to underserved uh, community research around the country. And then the genesis of um, Works Wireless is I was on the advisory board for a company, Dynas Earl Scott, who became my co-founder of Works Wireless, uh, sitting around over a you know, pint of beer, and he was having a challenge. As you mentioned, Jeff, the height of the bill, they had uh, received a turf contract from AT&T and really needed to, to, to improve the quality and caliber of, of folks coming in that uh, were getting in the tower industry. So we piloted inside of Dynas and we hired 70 transitioning veterans, extremely successful. Uh, then we worked with the White House and they were eventually acquired by Moztech and Moztech was very supportive in helping us spin it out and set it up as a wholly owned subsidiary. So the past two and a half years, uh, worse wireless has been a, um, a spun out into, I, I should say, a wholly owned standalone organization that's a nonprofit. Um, that uh, has got a great board with uh, American Tower, Crown Castle, uh, PCIA, uh, a lot of in Moztech and others all on the board. And we're hoping to join some, have some new board members join in the next uh, 
almost 60 days. And if you look back over your career, maybe share with us uh, some of the people or events that had a material impact on, on your career. Yeah, I, I think uh, in the military, it was probably my battalion commander, uh, Colonel Long, who, whose son eventually ended up working for me. Uh, he was a great influence on me in, in the you know, my regular career. Uh, some of the people I worked with at Bell Labs, and then, as I mentioned, uh, Bill Wallace, who uh, once again, he, you know, I worked for him for seven years, and then at Digital Bridge, he had the um, uh, we had the relationship where he worked for me, so we switched roles. But those are to sound, name a few. Um, but I think also, as I think about it, is uh, the people that in the last couple years, um, you know, some of the military veterans that we have hired, uh, I've learned so much from them. Uh, we had a recent uh, gentleman, Sean Kelly developed a great relationship with worked for us in our Colorado program. He was 25 years as a you know Delta Force a special forces operator and, and some great lessons I even learned from Sean. So I think I learned from all a variety of people that work I worked for worked for me. Yeah, I think yeah. Well, I heard one of the interviews uh, where you were, where you talked about Sean and um, one of the comments he made was uh, he really found a sense of purpose. Uh, through Warriors for Wireless and some of the training programs. That was something I think uh, you hear a lot of veterans exiting the military and they really have to find their, their rudder and guide uh, and sense of purpose. So I think that was a great example you gave. Yeah, and, and, and you know, I think with Sean and the hundreds of veterans, and we'll introduce Lucas in a second here, is that when they get out, they had such a sense of responsibility, such a sense of purpose, we're kind of at the tip, tip of the spear of importance for our country at the time put a lot of dollars and efforts into training them. And when they come back, um, where they work with them really reestablishes that, uh, that they, you know, they lack that sense of, sense of purpose or having them feel like they matter. And where what we've done is, and these are well-paying jobs and an exciting career that's challenging both mentally and physically, uh, but also gives them a roadmap where they feel like they can start to build their second career and I think that's the biggest thing. And I think we spend a lot of time in our programs really reinforcing that, that we as an industry, we as a nation, want to uh, give them the opportunities uh, that they so deserve. And it just takes training, hard work, and discipline. And, and so many of them have excelled uh, just, just because of that. And Kelly, what are some of the key milestones you've accomplished with Warriors for Wireless, personally? Yeah, I, I think getting it off the ground is one. Um, I think we have established um, a training program in Texas. We have a national partnership with Texas A&M. Uh, that's been key. Uh, we've had about 700 people go through the program. We're very fortunate to have a very strong relationship with PCIA. Uh, Jonathan Adelstein's on our board. And we're developing additional programs in addition to the Tower Tech um, programs as well that will roll out in the next 90 to 120 days. Um, recently brought brought in a, a, a Mark Mercer is helping run the day-to-day -day operations. Mark is a Naval Academy grad, a Navy uh, veteran, and he's been a huge help as well. Um, but I think the main thing is that the milestones are really driven by the young men and women that we you know, get into the program and we get to see every day and every month their lives change as they find a whole new career path, um, you know, as they transition from the military. 
And Kelly, what's the future for Warriors for Wireless? What can we expect in the next 12 to 18 months? Um, you know, I think you can expect us to start to scale, to be uh, more infrastructure, uh, to create uh, a lot of systems that help our partner uh, companies search and identify veterans. We, you'll, you'll see us roll out more programs. Uh, we want to be able to scale that we're training, uh, certifying, employing uh, a thousand or more a year. Um, and I think that's the key. I think we're, we've got some exciting things we'll announce in the next 60 to 90 days. But we're a unique entity because we're a nonprofit. We're, uh, we serve the industry and all veterans. And we just try to be the, the dot connector to make sure that we're reaching into the transitioning bases, getting veterans at the right time, and then and then helping them transition. And, and I don't know if this is a good time to introduce Lucas, but- Absolutely. What I wanted to do is, is you know, I called Dave uh, Anthony from Shenandoah Tower and uh, he said, hey, we'd love to interview one of the alumni. Is there anyone in the area? Uh, we called Lucas. Uh, he went to our program almost a year ago and literally climbed off the tower this morning to uh, come join us. So I'm going to have him slide in and he really should be the, the focus of this. So watch just Welcome, Lucas. We appreciate you joining us today. Thank you. Now, Lucas, what can you tell us about, um, first of all, we'll get into your experience with Warriors for Wireless, but what can you tell us about the challenges that you faced uh, transitioning into the workforce? Um, when you come home, it's just a completely different experience. You're used to a certain mindset, um, just the job you're doing at that time. Try to re uh, return to the civilian employment. I mean, there's definitely the challenge. Um, I really didn't know what I wanted to do, what direction to go. And uh, I actually discovered Warriors for Wireless through the military. They had a, a BLA ribbon event, just a security check on well-being. And um, they had a conference there and I signed up and that's, that's how I found them. And they uh, kind of set the pathway from there for me. And what was your experience with the program? Um, I never actually heard of it before until then. Uh, um, I just uh, signed up on a whim, but uh, what I learned just in the simple two to four weeks training I started, it was, uh, I learned a lot already. Um, I just dove head first into the tower industry and uh, I've been doing it now about nine, nine months. And uh, it, it's definitely a, an exciting job. It's nothing like anything else you've ever done. And Carl, I was just gonna mention uh, with the Lucas's training was the first, he was a first class in Virginia. We trained, we're partnered with Safety LMS and. JP Jones uh, really bonded with these guys. It was just awesome to see and, and to see them really understand and translate the detail, attention to detail, safety, et cetera, and how their experience can translate to, uh, to how they came out of the industry. And Lucas, can you tell us what you're doing today? Uh, today, I was actually on a job this morning okay. and uh, I got a text about an hour and a half ago that said I was doing this interview. So uh, <laughs> well, I'm not really prepared for what's going on. So. Well, okay. I think the main thing is, uh, you know, just sharing your experience with us yeah. and, and making sure that uh, we can help get the message out about yeah. Warriors for Wireless and really put a personal face on uh, the experience and the opportunities that uh, Kelly's creating through uh, Warriors for Wireless. But uh, I guess one question I have for you is maybe you could share with us, what are some of the skills and experiences in the military that you've found uh, help you transition and perform and exceed in your current role? Um, in the military, I was actually an engineer. Uh, I did a lot of crane work operations, a lot of lifting rigging, and uh, 
I do a lot of that in my job here too as well. So that was a very simple transition on that side. Um, it definitely takes a leadership aspect. Um, you got to manage the stress. I mean, working a couple hundred feet above the ground, it, it can be a little, a little different. Um, <laughs> they're able to mentally handle that and veterans as a whole that they're very well geared for that kind of work situation. They can handle that stress. Um, Kelly talks about the certification programs and training programs. Walk us through maybe some of the certifications you have today and what that roadmap might look like in the future. Um, as of right now, I know I have we've done the OSHA 10 or 20. I've done uh, multiple rescue certifications, uh, tower rip, well, not repels, control descent. Um, we're all we're all first aid certified, um, just multiple, multiple safeties. Basic rigging. Yeah, yeah basic rigging. Um, I'm actually trying to get on another crane rigging course. Um, there, there's all kinds of options for you too. There's hundreds and hundreds of certifications. And I know they're introducing the TIREP program, if I'm correct. It would be a national certification. Right. So I'm very interested in uh, when that comes to be. Well, let's do this for a minute. Uh, if we could slip, skip over the one slide that talks about the uh, supporting organizations for um, W for W, and maybe skip over and bring up that slide that uh, is on your website, Kelly, that has the different training and certification programs that you have available. And I think uh, if I'm going to pull it up myself, um, and maybe Kelly, you can give us a snapshot of where you guys are today. And this again, this is the course topic straight off your website. Are these all the programs you have today, and um, or are you still are some of these some in development like basic LTE installation? Yeah, we, we uh, some of those are in development. The really the core one is the tower technician uh, training. Uh, we did a pilot um, uh, on uh, with uh, Ecoside and Advantage Engineers um, for uh, the uh, site acquisition, which was a, a great great course, and, and we're going to develop that further. Um, partnering with PCIA yeah. um, and then there's a couple more and then we have a broadband technician course when you were doing your segment earlier uh, one of the things we want to make sure is we have enough flexibility in the course design and the curriculum offered that we can offer uh, multiple disciplines uh, especially if particular areas is seeing a lot more demand so the broadband technician uh, course uh, which is on the ground which is helpful too um, is developed as being developed as well and then how do you work with groups like TIRAP and uh, I think the TIRAP guys were talking about TowerTech 1, 2, and 3 where there's a very specific roadmap so folks that come in like Lucas who've been there for nine months you know there's a roadmap to get to TowerTech 2 and a TowerTech 3 and then a foreman um, tell us about how that 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 structure is really working yeah so TIRAP's been a phenomenal organization the leadership of Scott Kisting, uh, David Sams. And uh, from what I've seen the first time, you, you do have that career path. And the thing that, and I'm on the board of TIRAP as well, but the thing that we were able to do last year is to get a, um, uh, a an ONET code assigned for the tower climbing industry. And what that did on the military side, for the first time it allowed military veterans to use their GI Bill to participate in GI Bill funded apprenticeship programs. And that's going to be phenomenal. I think we will see that roll out at the end of this year, uh, starting next year. Um, and so I think just providing structure and this a matrix of 
how you can progress in your career. It's been tremendous to have that to share with the veterans because they start to see this is not just a job, but a career path and something they can do for 10, 20, 30 years. And by providing that structure and formality and, you know, as Command Sergeant Major Ramos, who is a program director and is now working with PCIA on our programs, uh, would always say is just show us what right looks like and you'll never have to show us again. And the same thing applies of showing how a career path like Lucas can say, hey, I'm going to be, you know, a tower tech, work on a crew, but then I, my goal would be to be, you know, a top hand, a foreman, and a construction manager over the next three to five years. And that also keeps people in the industry. So, you know, we struggle with churn and retention and turnover, but if someone believes they're working towards an end goal, they're just going to take a whole different approach to their job and treat it as a career. And um, during the workforce panel at the uh, PCI function earlier this year, uh, there was talk about uh, the six-month period where veterans are in that transition period and they actually can get paid by the military while they're being trained. Lucas, were you, maybe walk us specifically through your experience. Had you already transitioned out of the military? Or were you able to participate in uh, no, Warriors for Wireless while you're actually in that last six month period? Um, I'm actually a reservist, so I was okay. on. Uh, I had a three month leave after our deployment. Um, I'm still actually currently in, um, so that that really wasn't an issue for me. Yeah, and, and one thing to mention is, as you talk about our partner, 25, 30 partner companies, they all do a phenomenal job of working through the reserve uh, monthly reserve weekend schedule and AT and. and Shenandoah Tower and Dave Anthony is a great example of that. On Jeff, what you mentioned on the other part is there's a program run through what's called the Soldier for Life, and it's a base by base, um, uh, uh, you know, commander decision to participate in the program. And what that allows is within a six month transition, if there's a job opportunity, it'll let a service member actually report to the job still on the Army payroll um, as they learn and, and, and get acclimated job and then at the end of that six months uh, the strong possibility that it converts to a full-time job and that's a new program that demonstrates how proactive the military department of defense and the VA are being towards trying to kind of tackle this uh, veteran employment initiatives. Well, Lucas I, I see you're wearing Dave Anthony red uh, so I've been to Shenandoah Tower and the Shenandoah Mountains of Virginia it's a beautiful beautiful place and I know Dave Anthony takes safety very serious he's got a classroom set up and has a safety trainer um give us a funny story about dave anthony because i love i love ribbon dave <laughs> funny story about dave um i mean i don't really have any really come to mind uh i mean he's, he's definitely a goofy guy he's a character um i i don't really don't have any stories on him i'm sorry <laughs> well i think you you're you're fortunate and for those of you who, have, who haven't been to his facility uh he's got a fleet of red trucks and it is is building is just positioned right on this mountain crest it's um it's a beautiful facility and uh um but you got to have i mean tell us one good story about uh, uh learning the tower business i mean it makes me dizzy just walking up and looking up at some of these 250 foot towers uh there's got to be one good story you can share with us over the past nine months oh yeah there's a for sure um yeah, I was definitely like anyone else. Uh, I, I was scared of heights to an extent. I didn't think I was. I was, I was wondering after. that if you had a fear of heights or loved it. Um, it. I didn't think I did. Honestly, I thought I was fine with heights. But after a couple months of climbing, you realize how afraid you really were. 
everyone has it. Um, I do. <laughs> mine started with me, and he was petrified by it. He wouldn't even climb a ladder, and he yeah. climbs right beside me now. But um, the guys I work with, just the comfortability they give you to get over that fear and to work through what you need to do, it's it's exceptional. I mean, they, you will it'll push your boundaries, but they will they will make you feel comfortable. You feel safe. And that's probably the greatest thing Shenandoah has done between Dave and his employees. That they will give you that security. It's a brotherhood. It's still a family feel like the military. Absolutely. Well, Lucas, just to kind of sum it up with your personal experience, um, how would you recommend to others the Warriors for Wireless program with them transitioning from the military life to the workforce? Just kind of give us a summary of your of a recommendation. Um, Definitely, as they uh, get a transfer, obviously get in t uh, touch with them however possible, whether it be through any military event. But it's it's the perfect bridge between the military and a civilian work job. It's It has the fundamentals of both regular civilian employee and military at the same time. There's a lot of similarities. I can, uh, I can see both sides of how it um, it's very similar. So it's, it, it's definitely the good bridge, good connection for those kind of people. Okay. Well, I just want to thank both you and Kelly for not only your service to our country, but also for your time and joining us today. We really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Good to see you. Thanks. Now, sir. that's all for today's Inside Telecom Careers episode. If you have a suggestion for places, digs, or gigs, or if you have an interesting career that you'd like to see on our show, send me an email at kmacias at rcrwireless.com. Thank you again, and we'll see you next Thursday. Inside Telecom Careers is a production of RCR TV News. To reach Jeff Mucci or to suggest a show topic for Inside Telecom Careers, you can reach him at jmucci at rcrwireless.com. For all telecom-related news and information, please visit rcrwireless.com. To connect with the industry's top talent, please visit telecomcareers.net.